Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. This is a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and we're glad you're here. I would like to extend a special welcome to those of you who are visiting for the first time. If you have questions about this congregation or about this faith, please either ask me or ask the friendly and knowledgeable people at our visitor table, and they will be happy to help you in any way that they can. We come from a long tradition and heritage of teaching that there is a spark of the divine in every person. So it is as part of that heritage that I invite you to greet the holy in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left and welcoming them here this morning. Will you please say with me the words by which we light our chalice? In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. Now I've been happy lately, thinking about the good things to come. And I believe it could be something good has begun. Oh, I've been smiling lately, dreaming about the world as one. And I believe it could be someday it's going to come. Because out on the edge of darkness, there rides a peace train. Oh, peace train, take this country. Come take me home again. Now I've been smiling lately, thinking about the good things to come. And I believe it could be something good has begun. What tells us what we should be doing here? It's our mission statement. What is our identity more than this building, more than the name of the church, more even than our experiences here? Our identity is the mission statement of the church. What is the mission statement of the church? We say it every Sunday together. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Good morning. It all started over a couple of beers. My friend and I had been discussing religion in a bar back in December of 2004. I don't understand these people who feel they need to push their religion on you. I mean, isn't religion a personal thing, I asked? Jer, she said, have you ever been to a Unitarian Universalist church? No, I've never heard of it, I replied. You should check it out. I think it's what you're looking for. In the following weeks, I did all the research I could about UUism. I read all I could about it. I listened to sermons online. I held on to doubts, but still was optimistic. I was well on my way to becoming a UU. My journey as a UU started shortly thereafter in Dallas. I made many friends in the young adult group. I ushered service one Sunday each month. And then I found my calling. I started teaching religious education classes to middle schoolers. And then I taught middle school owl. And then I became a high school youth advisor. This became what motivated me to come to church each Sunday. Spending time with youth all morning was the best part of my week. In the midst of all this, I met a beautiful woman while at lunch with a few young adults one Sunday. I learned during our courtship that she planned to move back to Austin. And as time passed and our relationship progressed, 
I realized it was in my best interest that I follow her down here. I was sad to leave my UU community, and I had some anxiety about finding another church. I was looking for the same kind of place that allowed me to share myself while giving me the spiritual nourishment that I had become so accustomed to by my former UU church. One year ago this month, I started attending this church. I immediately felt the positive energy of the congregation. I found it easy to subscribe to the mission statement and to connect to Meg's sermons. I joined a few months later and am back as an advisor in a youth group that I couldn't be more excited to be a part of. I think we have some outstanding youth in this congregation. I'm proud to say that the beautiful woman I mentioned earlier and I are getting married next month, and Meg's going to be our uh, minister performing the ceremony. Our journey to find a UU church is over, and our journey to participate in a new UU church has begun. We're excited about the future of this church and the contributions that we're going to get to make. We're committed to making this our church home, and we'll be making a three-year pledge at increasing our contribution each year. I'm proud to be a Unitarian Universalist. I'm proud to be a part of this church. I believe this place is special, and it changes people's lives for the better. During this canvas, I invite you to think about our church, how it positively affects your lives, the lives of your family, and the lives of those around you. Thank you. Please read responsively with me. Blessed are those who yearn for deepening more than escape, who are not afraid to grow in spirit. Who regularly join in celebration and learning, who come as much to minister as to be ministered unto. Blessed are those who bring their children, who invite their friends to come along, to join in fellowship, service, learning, and growth. Blessed are those who support the church and its work by their regular, sustained, and generous giving, and who give of themselves no less than their money. Blessed are those who know that the church is often imperfect, yet rather than harbor feelings of anger or disappointment, bring their concerns and needs to the attention of the church leaders. Blessed are those who, when asked to serve, do it gladly, who realize that change is brought about through human meeting, who do the work of committees and stay till the end. Blessed are those who speak their minds in meetings, who can take and give criticism, who keep alive their sense of humor. Blessed are those who know that the work of the church is the transformation of society, who have a vision of beloved community transcending the present, and who do not shrink from controversy, sacrifice, or change. Blessed are they indeed. You may have picked up that the theme for this season's stewardship drive is all aboard for the long haul. Pledge one, two, three. It's got to do with trains. You're going to see pictures of trains all this whole month. We're going to be singing train songs. You may have noticed a couple already. My sermon text for this morning was from the bard Bruce Springsteen. 
who said, this train carries saints and sinners. This train carries losers and winners. This train carries hussies and gamblers. And this train carries lost souls. I actually sang all souls because souls kind of go in and out of being lost um, if they're regular kind of human souls. And it's on a cycle that no one has quite put their finger on yet. But being lost is always temporary, as is being found. This train, dreams will not be thwarted. This train, faith will be rewarded. Meet me in the land of hope and dreams. So we're going to talk about our dreams today. Love that image of all of us being on a train together, walking from car to car, chatting, hanging out the windows, waving at the people, getting on at different stations, handing some food out, sharing our lunch with the people by the side of the tracks, just going somewhere together. So different from a convoy of cars where people could just peel off at any moment, change their mind. We're just like on this train together. You really can get off and change your mind, but it's a nice image and it's so different from cars. It's more communitarian, which makes me happy. Does that feel like something you'd like to be part of? No one belongs on this train more than you. One of the ways that we get aboard the train is by supporting the mission of this church with our time, our talents, and our money. Yes, if you're a first-time visitor here today, I'm not going to apologize, but we are talking about money this season. And it could be that you haven't been inside a church in 30 years, and you go, ah, I came to the Unitarians, even they're talking about money. Well, yes, yes, because money is magic. Money can turn into the things you want to see happen. Money can turn into fun and fellowship and justice and nourishing. So, yeah, we talk about money and we ask that people be generous within their means. We don't ask for a number so much as we ask that you examine your conscience and be generous within your means. Now, you might be on disability or you might have been unemployed for a couple of years and then generous for you might be a dollar a week. But you might be making a good salary and generous for you might feel... um, like any kind of a different number. And so some of you all are giving in the 30,000s and some of you all are giving a dollar a week and some of you all are kind of around the average of twelve, fifteen hundred $1,500 a year and some of you are more. Um, it's the percentage more than the number and we count you if, as being generous if you say you're being generous. Now, this is hard. Being generous is hard. Um, I'm just speaking for myself because I, I'm apparently not that generous a person. So um, I would like to be, eventually I hope to be. This is why I like the three-year pledge because I'm like, I'm going to just give something that's a little uncomfortable this year. And then next year I'll give more because I'm going to be a better person next year. I swear. And I'm, I'm going to increase it until I'm being the person that I want to be. So, so I'm making a three-year pledge, and uh, right now I'm about 2%. I'm going to try to get to 5% if I can stand it. Um, I just told my son, who just graduated from college, I'm, I'm not going to be sending you the same amount of money that I was sending you when you were in college. That was hard on both of us. (laughs) Harder for me, though. He seemed fine. 
So we do this one, two, three pledge, partly so the church will have a sturdy, stable income stream, but really not so much for that, as, as so that we can show ourselves that we're in this for the long haul. This church has been through a lot of turbulence, and I think it's time for us to steady out. We're in this for the long haul. Nobody changes the culture of a church quickly. And so if we say, I'm going to be here this year, and yeah, I'll be here next year. And my intention is to be here the year after that. And of course, you can always get mad and quit. That's always on the table for a church person. Um, And ministers, you know. I know Ralph Waldo Emerson did it. I'm not going to do it, but y'all can do it if you want to. So we're in this for the long haul. And right now, I'm not mad at all. I'm having a great time. Just wanted to let you know. I'm in the sort of the long haul too. So um, I'm looking forward to the feeling in the room where I get to stand up here and say 55% of our pledgers made a three-year pledge because they're in it for the long haul. If you're not going to do that, that is fine. We'd love to accept your pledge no matter what it is. So, but doesn't that think, don't you think that would feel good if you could look around and know that a lot of these folks are going to be here next year and going to be here the year after that? And that we're pulling together. We're, we're sending our juice to the engine of this train together. The stewardship season is also the season where the leadership of the church gets input from the members. Uh, so there are questions that go with your pledge form. What do you, why do you think people come to this church? If this church were going to be really, really welcoming, what would that look like? If this church were going to be great at, at justice, what would that look like? And I'm looking forward to hearing your answers. Because I think we're doing very well right now, but we could be doing better. And we want to try. All of us. Because we're in this together. So... This is an important train. And the reason that we're going is expressed by our mission. And the direction that we're going is expressed by what we call our ends or our goals that the board created from listening to the congregation. But before I get into what the goals are, I want to talk about where, this, where these tracks originated. Where are we coming from? I want to go way, way back and talk about our Unitarian and Universalist forebears, which some of us trace to the people who got the idea for monotheism in the time of Abraham. There's one God. So, in a way, Unitarianism goes back to Abraham. It also goes back to the 4th century, when um, people were teaching all kinds of different things about Christianity, and there were some teachers who were saying that Jesus was a human being who was an enlightened one, who taught well, but was a human as we are, or alternatively, no more divine than you are, which you might be. So this is in the fourth century, and that was declared a heresy. So our forebears are the heretics of the fourth century. Wear it with pride. And... (laughs) Our forebears can be traced back to the, to the 16th century when the Reformation was happening. When uh, people were saying, listen, I'm reading the Bible for myself for the first time since the printing press was uh, invented. And I see that there's nothing about the Trinity in here. Nothing. So let me not believe in it. Oh, I got to go to jail for that? Mm. Um, I got to get 
part of the Inquisition for that? That's not so good. But there were parts of Europe where you could think out loud and where you could believe that. And that's what Unitarianism grows out of, the parts of Europe where that belief that God is one and not three originated. Okay. Um, Fast forward to the early 1800s when Unitarianism came out, in a way, as a branch of Christianity, the branch of Christianity that believed Jesus was not any more divine than you are. The branch of Christianity that also taught that God, who was a loving parent, would not burn his children for making mistakes. The preacher who preached this first Unitarian sermon said, Look at you. Would you burn your children for making mistakes? No. If you did, we'd put you in jail. Why would we worship a God who would do that? Are you a better parent than God? I thought it was very logical. (laughs) And for 1819, revolutionary. Then in the mid-1800s, you have the transcendentalists who had started reading Buddhism and Hinduism as their scriptures got translated into English. Ralph Waldo Emerson, Henry David Thoreau, Theodore Parker, Margaret Fuller, Nathaniel Hawthorne, Louisa May Alcott, and her daddy Bronson Alcott, they were reading Buddhism and Hinduism, and they thought maybe everything was one. They called themselves Unitarians, except for Emerson, who had got mad and quit. Um, They called themselves Unitarians, and the American Unitarian Association said, no, 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 no. You guys are hippie tree huggers. We're not going to call you Unitarians. (laughs) And they were like, oh, really? Show us your creed. Show us where we're not in there. And they were like, we don't have a creed. Mm -hmm." (laughs) So either make a creed that shuts us out or we're Unitarians. And so they were Unitarians. The transcendentalists influenced our movement for years and years and years. Then the humanist movement in the 20s and 30s, 1920s and 30s, we're talking 20th century now, arose because biblical scholarship, starting in Germany, had started uh, pointing out that the Bible had mistakes in it. Now, biblical inerrancy was one of those things, that there's no mistakes in the Bible, was one of those things that was taught by most churches, many churches, the fundamentalist churches for sure. Biblical inerrancy is one of the five fundamentals. Did you know that's why we call them fundamentalists? Because there are five fundamentals, one of which is biblical inerrancy. So when the biblical scholars started showing that there were mistakes in the Bible, a lot of people lost it. The humanist movement arose at the same time. Don't know if it was because it was causative or not. That's not anything anybody can really determine. Um, So, But we know that the humanist movement arose saying, why don't we have a system of belief and behavior that is simply ethical and based on the best of the human spirit instead of having to do with scriptures that have mistakes in them, as we now see. And so the humanist movement took over the Unitarian Church pretty much in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Then we merged with the Universalists, who were Trinitarian, Jesus-believing Christians. The only thing we had in common was that they didn't believe in hell either. Because Universalist means universal salvation, which means there's no hell. 
And so people joked when we merged in 1961 that the Unitarians believed that they were too good to go to hell and um, that the Universalists believed that God was too good to send anybody to hell. And there we were together in the same denomination. And now we have all the neo-transcendentalists that we call our pagans. There are the neo-transcendentalists, which is one of the fastest growing elements in Unitarian Universalism. We've got people who call themselves um, Unitarian Universalists who are practicing Buddhism. We have people who call themselves Unitarian Universalists who are from a very strong Jewish background but are still UUs. We have people who call themselves Unitarian Universalists who call themselves Christians. We have, and people who just call themselves plain middle-of-the-road Unitarian Universalists, that's me. I don't hyphenate at all. I'm just a Unitarian Universalist. Uh, and, And I find that to be enough. So, the Universalist strengths of community and spiritual inclusiveness and love made a good balance for the Unitarian strengths of reason, rationality, individuality, science, and the democratic process. Now we've got all that in the UU, which is what we call it for short because it's just too long, (laughs) denomination. And that's why we have so many different beliefs and people in the same room, which I think is marvelous. So, is this a train that you might want to be part of? No one belongs here more than you. Work for social justice has always been part of what we do. You may not know this, but Susan B. Anthony went to the Unitarian Church in Rochester. Clarence Darrow, Unitarian. Clara Barton, Universalist, who founded the American Red Cross. Other Unitarians are E.E. Cummings. P.T. Barnum, Dorothea Dix, Roger Baldwin, who founded the ACLU, Unitarian, Christopher Reeve. It's getting to be a pretty good train, isn't it? Working to make things better through politics has always been something Unitarians and Universalists do. There's somebody registering people to vote in the gallery today. We don't care how you vote. We just want you to vote. So... Maybe you'd be interested that some people we claim as Unitarians, we claim it because they call themselves Unitarian in their writings, even though they never actually joined a church. And some people we call Unitarians because they were in the church. Um, little people in politics like uh, John Quincy Adams and Thomas Jefferson, John C. Calhoun. Not everybody had good politics. Millard Fillmore. (laughs) We're scientists and artists on this train. Linus Pauling, Unitarian. Ray Bradbury, Tim Berners-Lee, Ralph Waldo Emerson, Henry David Thoreau, Margaret Fuller, Fanny Farmer. I don't know if she's in the kitchen or not on this train. She might be resting. Nathaniel Hawthorne, Louisa May Alcott, Horatio Alger, Charles Darwin, Unitarian. Bella Bartok, Florence Nightingale, Frank Lloyd Wright. Beatrix Potter, Melissa Harris-Perry. I'm mixing categories now because that's what happens on a train like this. You don't just stick with the people who do what you do. You talk to everybody. Am I right? This is a fun train. This is a good kind of train. Is this a train you'd like to be on board? Nobody belongs here more than you. So on Friday... I was a guest at the God Squad segment of 
the, oh, I keep wanting to say Mumford and Sons, but that's the rock group, Dudley and Bob, the Dudley and Bob show (laughs) on the classic rock station. Two really nice guys, interesting, smart fellows. And so we had a good conversation. Um, Dale, I don't know why they call him Dudley and Bob, it's Dale and Matt. But uh, Dale w- grew up in um, Church of Christ and was kind of mad about it. And uh, as I am mad about where I grew up, some of y'all grew up in the UU church. Some of y'all grew up in Methodist churches. You're not mad about it. Presbyterian, Episcopal. Uh, we just have a bunch of different situations inside about our childhood faith. But um, Dale's in kind of a bitter situation, as I am, so we got along great. And, um, but one question he asked really got me thinking again about this question I think about a lot. And he said, okay, so some of y'all don't even believe in God. And some of you practice this and practice that. You have many different spiritual paths. Why even call it a church? Why, why even meet Sunday morning? What time are your services Sunday morning? I was like, boy, I couldn't have paid you to ask that. Um, 9.15 and 10.45. He said, why not Saturday afternoon? I mean, you don't believe in God. Why meet Sunday morning? I'm like, I don't get the, there's a leap in there. I'm not, but, uh, he he was, he just kept talking. So, um, I didn't have to answer that question, but (laughs) (laughs) but why would you have a church? Why would you have a church? It's because it's more fun to think together about something. It's more fun to sing together, to have experiences together, to hear music together, to try to get something done together. You can stand on the corner and go, I think housing should be affordable and uh, gay people should be able to get married. And the cars will go, nobody cares. (laughs) But you say it in 500 voices all together. Yeah. Now you can be heard. That's why we come to church. We come to church to have a chosen family, to build community, to have people to talk to, to have a chance to hear our names said with affection, to do work that makes a difference, to be asked good questions, to grow into a better person in the world, to give gifts of courage, attention, affection, challenge, surprise, to share our strength with one another, to lean on one another when we don't have any strength. We don't do community perfectly all the time, but we practice and we have to stand against the different world views that lead to oppression and injustice. And we have to stand against the apathy and overwork and malaise that runs so many people's lives. And we have to stand against that consumer lust culture that tells us everything will be fine when we get the right car or we have the right fashion or when we get our muscle definition or when we lose 20 pounds. We've got to stand against that culture and say, listen, that is important, but it's not the most important This is why we come together. So where are we going? We're going to a place where we can affirm that in front of the world, the the goals that you all told the board you wanted to set are that we be an intentionally hospitable community where all people are treated with respect and dignity and people are supported in times of joy and need, and where we invite people of goodwill to find a spiritual home with us. And we nourish souls and transform lives by engaging and supporting members in spiritual practice and growth and provide programs and worship that awaken meaning and transcendence. And 
encourage that members have a supporting and caring place in which to kindle their spirit. And we do justice by practicing our liberal religious values in the public arena and empowering all people to access the richness of life. And it goes on. You can go on the website and read all the ends and all the values. And so I, I know where we're going, and you can see where we're going too. And I have dreams about where we're going to go from listening to you all for a year. I have dreams that we are going to be a generous church that gives 5 to 10% of its budget for social justice efforts. I would love to see us give away the offering every single Sunday. I see some people kind of cringe when I say that. It may not be your dream. That's okay. We'll talk about it together. I dream that we'll be the kind of church where people come and they feel their lives refreshed. I want to be the kind of church where our strength in the arts is well known throughout Central Texas. We have so many artists here. We have a good theater company here. We have so a beautiful gallery with art hanging in it. Why not be the arts church? I want to be a congregation where people give and receive skilled pastoral care, where we teach one another, where we pass our faith down from generation to generation. And I want to be a congregation with enough space to welcome everybody who needs us so that we could start. People go, do you do outreach for your congregation? We're like, not yet, because we, we really have so many people coming already that if we did outreach, there would be more and we might not have room. So we're going to wait till we have room to do outreach. I don't know if that's the smartest thing to do. You talk to me about it. Could we be a church so skillfully and effectively run that people come from miles around and do field trips here to see how are they doing it at First Austin? We want to see that. How are they doing their social justice projects? They're famous for social justice. They're famous for hospitality. That's the church I dream of. Is that something you might like to be part of? No one belongs here more than you. crazy, but that's how it goes. Millions of people living as foes. Maybe it's not too late to learn how to love and forget how to hate. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.